Hey, welcome in everybody to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recording live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter at, and our handle there is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. We've been sharing some stuff on there as well. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. It's the first thing you pop up. And you can email us anytime at show at gmail.com. This is going to be episode 87, and today I'm joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bono's podcast, the token girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind. Welcome back from her trip to Belize, from Belize, my co-host, Ellen Wigginser. E-Dub, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm not as good as you, apparently. I mean, a week in Belize, and you know, you, I guess you got to be doing well today, yeah. Uh, well, I'm certainly glad it's Friday because although I was in Belize for a week, I also was not working for a week. So I've been playing catch up with all the yeah. fires burning, but yeah. I'm certainly glad that it's Friday. Yeah. And, you know, we're recording Friday morning. You also, I'm very jealous. Not only did you get a week in Belize, but you got to go to the NBA finals game one last night. The Nuggets. Yeah. I, the, the score may not say they dominated, but they dominated that game. They did. Um, Ball Arena was on fire last night. It was a really great atmosphere. The crowd really showed out. I saw very few Heat fans yeah. um, and heard even fewer. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, they kind of worried me because that started every single quarter. They came out very flat. Um, they would miss their first five or six shots of each quarter and then just kind of get it rolling. And I'm sure part of that is having a nine day layoff, uh, while the heat have been struggling just to get here. So, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to Sunday's game as well and and seeing what kind of atmosphere that is. Yeah. You, 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 it's nice to be a season ticket holder. (laughs) It is. It's awesome. Yeah, and say, seeing those secondary uh, market prices, it makes me very glad to be a season ticket holder because yeah. it ain't cheap. No, no, God bless you. I, yeah, well, I, I, it's also cool. You get to go with your son. You know, he's a young guy, and he gets to. It's pretty cool. He gets to go to an NBA finals at a young age, and yeah, you know, and so that's really cool. You get to do that. So, yeah, um, although he did string me out yesterday because he was at the amusement park right next door to Ball Arena. And he kept texting me. He's like, I'm going to go on one more ride. I'm going to go on one more ride. I'm going to go on one more ride. It's like, dude, we've got a game to go to. Just right. walk here. It's the it's the finals. Let's go. We're not waiting on you any longer. I know. Stop yeah. hanging out with your girlfriend or whatever you're doing. Let's just come along. And the next time he's making you stand you up like that, you give me a shout. I'll figure out a way to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I got no way of teleporting from Lawrence to Denver, but uh, I guess we'll figure that out. That's hey, true. Really, I want to talk about two things today. Um, one, and this kind of just came up this morning. We're recording this um, afternoon on Friday the 2nd. And that is uh, Brett McMurphy just broke a story and had quote on Twitter from Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormack. Uh, but they have a discussion and expansion have a plan. It looks like, uh, I'm going to read the quote. This is Brett Yormack, Brett Yormark the Big 12 commissioner. We have a great discussion about expansion and have a plan. We have an appetite to be a national conference. We believe in upside of basketball 
if the opportunity presents itself to create value, we will pursue expansion. It is it is a focus of ours. I think this pretty much does away with will they or won't they? Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've done a great job of moving in the new teams that are coming into the conference this year, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is BYU, Houston, uh, UCF, and Cincinnati. They yep. do lose Oklahoma and Texas after this year, which we knew was coming. Mm-hmm. And we had the breaking news earlier in the week where Deion Sanders, coach of the, of the Colorado Buffaloes, is saying, hey, he wants to see – Colorado joined the Big 12. And there's been talk of, you know, basketball only expansion with uh, adding possibly UConn and Gonzaga. Yep. And then where does the Big 12 go from there? Do they expand by trying to poach some teams in the Pac 12? Pac 12 is really having issues right now, is they're in the middle of trying to get a rights fees uh, negotiated and they can't get the grant of rights from all their schools until they get a deal. Their people are going back and forth on. So that's leaving Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, probably the four teams the Big 12 would look at. They're all kind of leaving their options open. Yeah. I want to ask you, we've, I mean, we've mentioned the expansion stuff before. We kind of did it in passing. Um, I think you know where I'm at on this. I'm all for expanding these, 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 these conferences. Where are you on the Big 12 expansion? And if you like the expanding, who would you get? So, I mean, there's been some interesting reporting coming out the the last few weeks, right? Um, This started up, this has been going on for what, almost 10 years now? Yeah. Uh, Since uh, Nebraska and and CU left initially, and then it all just kind of uh, broke off after that. Yeah, I would like to see CU come back into the Big Twelve selfishly, so I could go to KU games. Um, yeah. you know, Boulder is a quick drive for me, so I could go to KU basketball games. I could go to KU football games. That would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of footprint inevitably happens because whether you like expansion or not, there's no other option at this point. There's going to be just like two or three huge conferences and then the non-power conferences that still exist in their little regional bubbles. But, and I think we're going to get a good sense of this with the big 10 this year, because of course there's still always talk about KU for instance leaving for the big 10 um how they manage have having a full east coast west coast presence with ucla and usc coming in they've managed maryland and Rutgers for a while but now you're you're doing full cross country and it's not just halfway so i think that's going to give the other conferences kind of an idea of how it needs to work and i think one of the things that we've talked about previously is especially with the more minor sports how are you supporting those students and those programs that are having to do southwest flights across the country because they don't have a charter plane yeah 
Well, I think you know. I, I know what the big with the Big Ten. A lot of the understanding is is that they're going to be getting planes, or if they don't already have one, they're going to be donors will be donating some of that. Okay. Um, but I don't know what the Big Twelve. I mean, that's the Big Ten. Um, the Big Twelve. You, I think you said it right when you said you know you have to expand. It's pretty much expand or die. Yeah. Right now, you know, a year ago, let's take it back. A year ago. It was Pac-10 or Big 12, one's going to make it, one's not. And I would have bet it was the Pac-12 that was going to make it. I was dead wrong on that. I thought the Pac-12, but when they decided, when USC and UCLA decided to move on, that killed them. They're done. Yeah. And before that announcement, I thought, well, they'll be able to pull that off against the two big the LA schools. Uh, to lose those two schools, there's just too much to overcome. Right. Now – the Big 12, you know, yeah, they've lost Oklahoma, lost Texas. But I love the ones they grab. I love the idea of BYU, Houston, which is so underrated. Mm-hmm. UCF, which people don't realize is not just a good football program and good, one of the biggest alumni groups in the country. It's a huge school. Huge school. It's one of the biggest two or three schools in the country when it comes to enrollment. And then Cincinnati, which is like, you, you can grab Cincinnati or Louisville and say, which one is, do you want? You know, right. Cincinnati is basically like a Louisville. It's, it's a really great public school in a big city, and it's it got a huge following as well. I think the biggest thing for the Big 12 to do right now is make this deal. Get Colorado, Utah, and the two Arizona schools. Coach them now. I think it's key to bringing in Utah to have some of that regional rivalry built in that you've got BYU, Utah, Utah. Arizona State, Arizona. CU has that historical rivalry rivalry with many, you know, with the core of the Big 12, which is the Big 8. You got got the four corner schools there. It's like, okay, yeah, that's that's going to give you rivalries. It gives you expansion. I don't know if the Big 12 has to expand to California. You know, that would be, to me, to be like a second wave if these conferences decide they want to go to 20 teams, which I don't think the Big 10 will do it. I don't think the SEC will do from here. I don't, it would take the SEC really changing things again. They're fighting about stuff already. I can't right. see expanding four more teams. And they're already bitching about whether they're going to play eight or nine football conference games. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, that's just craziness what's all going on there. But I, I wanted to ask that opinion on the Big 12 piece. I think it's important. And I think that I think the Big 12 needs to be very aggressive here. And it looks like they do have some ideas. I also love the idea of adding UConn and Gonzaga for basketball. You know, to say that brings you in two major – those two teams are looking for conferences to get to. Right. Especially Gonzaga. You've got – you know, with the Big 12 wanting to be the basketball conference, that's going to help them when they expand and grab those two schools with that, those tip, those media rights. You know, when you're going to have those games there on ESPN or Fox Sports or wherever, that's just going to help because it's more, it's more product. More product. And then if you have the West Coast piece, you add Pacific time zone stuff. With the Arizona schools, with Utah, with um, possibly Gonzaga. Yeah. Hell, I'd even consider. I don't think that'll happen right now, but 
I'd be talking to Oregon and Washington. And, and yeah. I know they're more likely to go to the Big Ten, but I don't think it hurts you. No, I mean, and it, that's why seeing that these conversations are ongoing, just like KU yeah. has had ongoing conversations with the Big Ten as these moves have happened over the years. Um, I think especially with NIL here to stay, they recognize that their revenue streams are different than what they were and they have to maximize them in different ways because all of a sudden now a big chunk is being broken off to the NIL collectives. It's not all coming to the athletic departments. As far as the donors. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's good. It's going to be interesting and I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it will be. I think it's interesting what's going to happen. I'm, I'm glad to see it for the Big 12. Like I'm glad that the commissioner is not only being aggressive, not just being aggressive behind the scenes, but also saying, here's what we want to do and say it publicly. Well, I mean, what? His first day, he, yeah. Well, his first day, he said the, the Big 12 is open for business. Yeah. Well, now he's showing they're open for business. And I think yeah. that's a big thing right now. So, all right. Hey, before we get into our next piece, we talk about a great sponsor, which of course is DraftKings. Um, <laughs> you love DraftKings. I love DraftKings. But uh, hey, um, DraftKings got a deal going on right now. You do your first deposit at DraftKings Sportsbook, you get $150 in free bets. Nice. So, first deposit when you make your first bet, $5 or more, you'll get $150 in free bets. It's a great way to get your toe in the water. Those bets do expire usually in seven days. But uh, it's a great way to try some different things out. And now with the NBA Finals here, there are some really cool stuff happening. There's lots of same-game parlays you can get into, lots of cool stuff. Definitely check out DraftKings. You can also bet futures in the NFL and NCAA football. That's all coming. Soon enough, we'll be here. Less than 100 days now to the start of football season. Yeah, I've got futures out for uh, next year's NCAA tournament already. So I uh, the only futures I've got right now is LSU, or sorry, um, the Saints under nine and a half wins. Nice. I don't know if you saw, but my Twitter blew up this past weekend. I got into it with actually one of the scout, one of the scouts from the Saints this past oh, weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, we went back and forth for like three hours, and he was saying how wrong I am about the Saints. And I'm like, dude, I don't care what you think. This, you guys are putting all this on 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 Derek Carr, and I was like, he's awful. He was like, well, you're not watching like we're watching it. And I was like, I've watched enough Derek Carr to know that he's not getting better and that he's only made the playoffs once in his career. Mm-hmm. You name a quarterback, you tell me someone that all of a sudden a decade into his career became a sub-500 quarterback and it became, a, became good enough to carry you to the playoffs. Right. I'll wait. And he was like, well, we don't really look at the wins, wins losses. So you need to, especially the quarterback position. So I understand if it's the first couple, three years. You know, I wouldn't judge a kid based on that. Sure. But I won't judge a quarterback with nine, start with nine years as a starter. I'm going to judge that. That's part of what I'm seeing here. Yeah, I think so. that's I, I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah. But it's hilarious that, I don't know. I understand why people take sports personally, but when you see staff getting involved, I'm always just kind of like, 
we went back and forth for a while. He was like, "Yeah," I was like, "Dude, you're not gonna be good." I mean, you guys did the you guys did the Derek Carr thing. You pushed a lifelong Saints fan away, and I'm gone until he's gone. Until Dennis Allen. The one thing we did agree on, uh huh, the worst situation the Saints have is their offensive coordinator. Okay, Pete was the biggest issue they have. And I don't know if you saw the Saints. He brought in John Gruden to help put in their offense. I, I, because that happened while I was out of town, and yeah. I think I saw a headline about it, but didn't read anything. Yeah. So all I did is they basically brought him in for a couple of weeks. He's working in the quarterbacks room and with the assistant coaches. So I made the point of saying, look, this guy. I mean, John Gruden's a quarterback guru. He's been everywhere he's gone. He wants to coach. He likes coaching. He likes the hands-on part of coaching. Sure. But what I said was John Gruden was like, okay, this is not a knock on Gruden. This is a knock on Saints that they can't trust their offensive coordinator to set up their playbook and to set up how they're going to call games. So they bring in John Gruden. Again, I understand bringing in consultants to help with things, mm-hmm. but then also – Who's doing the play call? And Pete Carmichael has been the offensive coordinator there for like eight or nine years. And the problem is he was never the play call. Sean Payton always was. And we saw how how vanilla the offense was been the last couple of years with Carmichael calling the offense. I'm like, if that guy's your OC, you've already got a problem. Yeah. And the scout was like, yeah, that is our biggest problem. And I'm like, I don't know how bringing in Gruden's going to help unless he's called the plays during the game. Okay. So I, I kind of have two. I didn't. I didn't go this far. I have two opinions on this. One, the Saints are going to be dreadful bad, and when they do, they're going to have to fire everybody. But they're not. That's just not who they are. They won't fall in fire. They do fire everybody. John Gruden's the next head coach of the Saints. Ooh. If they don't fire everybody. They're going to make him some kind of high-paid consultant to this team on a I, permanent basis. I don't know if he can get back into the NFL as a coach. Well, that was a good point. I was talking with Tyler Jones about this in his podcast. We recorded that on Wednesday. And it was he asked me what I think is going to happen. And I was like, I don't think that Gruden is going to be a head coach again in the NFL. Now, I just said that, but I was like, since then, I've, I've thought about it. I was like, well, it's in place for if it's really fucked up to bring him in. But what I do think, like what I think John Gruden should do, John Gruden should go to the Nick Saban uh, revitalize your career camp and go be Nick Saban's offensive coordinator for a couple of years. I'm not sure that he can really rehabilitate after everything. I, with- I don't disagree with you. And I also am not sure that he wants to. What I do think that he'd be really good at, and I mentioned this to Tyler as well, is I said, I could see John Gruden doing a like a Manning Passing Academy or yeah. the Elite 11 camp. I can see him doing a camp like that for quarterbacks, and it'd be the best damn one there is. Yeah, no. I totally think can so- see that happen. That, yes. And that's what I think. He's just, I think I, I'm wondering how much he's liking getting back on the field a little bit. Sure. Else. Is that just kind of him kind of fulfilling that for now? And this is how he's filling his days, or what will happen? There's a lot of different ways this thing can go. The one way I do know it's going to go is the Saints are going to be awful, and they're going to win less than nine and a half games. 
So I'll rephrase that. As we talk about go back to our original plan on DraftKings. Yes. You bet futures. And Coach Bo maybe has a couple of future bets on under nine and a half. So have some fun with that. Yeah. And the big story of the week for us is the NBA Finals. Yes. You got to go to the Finals. I'm jealous that you got to go to the Finals. <laughs> I mean, I've been to some stuff. I haven't been. I haven't been to a World Series yet, and I haven't been to an NBA Finals. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm pretty jealous of this. Um, the Nuggets dominated the game one, but let's talk about what happened before that. It's like the end of the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. And because the Eastern Conference Finals were like they were fun, with the fun. Heat getting up three nothing, just beating the. Just the dog shit out of the Celtics for three games. Yes. And then a couple times the Celtics skate by. They dominate game five. Game six, they go back to Boston. It looks like the Heat have got it. Jimmy Butler makes three free throws on, I don't know how they even got a situation where someone make that stupid foul. And then here comes a putback. No one boxed out. First thing I watch the game with Peyton, and Peyton says, how do you not box out? Like, how does he even get a shot at that ball? The tip in, and bam, all of a sudden you are going to game seven. And what was wild for us, so we had just gotten back from Belize early that morning. We went to the Rockies game that night. Mm-hmm. And the way that Coors Field is set up, they developed a lot of round at around that area, and they have a place called McGregor Square, which is just outside Coors Field. They have this huge outdoor uh, big screen. And so they had the game on and we had left a little bit early from the Rockies game. And we caught the end of that game on the big screen, but I totally missed the put the putback. And I was just like, oh, sweet. We're playing the heat. And then Nicholas just kind of looked at me and was like, mom, are you blind? (laughs) Did you not see what happened? We were watching it live, and Peyton says, I don't know. And I was like, oh, that counts. <laughs> like, he got up. That was no problem. That's a, that's, that's a good putback. So they go, they win game seven. They, game six was a great game. Yeah. That was a great, great game. Game seven, they go back to Boston. And here's where I got a little pissed, where I was really going to root for the Heat. And look, I'm a Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I liked the Celtics because I didn't grow up. Like, I grew up in Louisiana, and we didn't have a basketball team. Jazz had long since moved away. And my dad, being from Boston in that area, he's a big Celtics fan. I was a big Celtics fan. And back when I was a kid, it was Bird and Parrish and McHale and, you know, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. But I haven't really followed. I haven't haven't rooted for them openly. Like, I've been like, okay, yeah, they win. Cool. Great for them. Sure. But they have been my team. Well, then – Kept hearing all week, all the next couple of days, comparing this Celtics team to the 04 Red Sox, which just made me angry. The 04 Red Sox, people don't know, that's the team that was down three games to none to the Yankees in the ALCS, won four in a row, and then won four in a row in the World Series that year. I had tickets to game five. Oh, it was awful. So, but, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, that's happened. It's happened to me twice. I've had tickets to the next game, and the game loses. But, um, yeah, I, 
it was, you know, so the comparison was, well, this Celtics team was so good all season long, sort of like how that Red Sox team was a better team than the Yankees, but got down and then had to come back. And they compared the tip in to Dave Roberts still in second. That that was the game four thing that caused the, that, that we got the ball rolling for the Red Sox. And it, it upset me because the 04 Red Sox are the team that broke the curse. Right. And it's like, don't ever compare a team to that team, especially in Boston. And not even a team that, like, this isn't really that likable of a team anyway. No, but it was the only thing that they could glom yeah. onto of yeah. a team exactly. that had been down 03 to yeah. tie the series. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, we have to have something to compare it to. We have to have something to talk about and some narrative to push. So that was the narrative that everyone wanted to push. Yeah. And I saw that. I was just like, I hope they get beat the hell beat out of them. <laughs> and sure enough, the Heat beat the hell out of them in game seven. That game well, was ugly. Okay. The game was doomed after that first Boston possession <laughs> where Jalen turned his ankle and it was just like, Okay, it's done. Yeah, but, but not only that, the Celtics did what the Celtics done all season long. I, I've had this saying, and like my buddy Elwood texted me. He was like, he's like, you've called it all season on the Celtics team. That team will shoot themselves into the game or shoot themselves right out of the game. And yeah. they shot themselves right out of game seven. Yeah. And all you got to do to beat them is just let them shoot themselves out of it and then play good defense and score buckets. Yeah. He did. The Heat, under, and I'm happy for the Heat because that's a really – I like Spolstra. I like Jimmy Butler. I think Spolstra is one of the very few coaches – we talked about this before yep. – who is a big state difference in the game. Yeah. However, they're running into a juggernaut. Flat out, this is – this is, and I'm going to – and you're smiling and giggling. It's <laughs> me saying it's not you. This is not just the best team in the NBA. This has a team. This is a team that can be a legacy. Like they, this is they're still ascending as a team, as a group of players. Yes, and as a franchise, and everything from their coach to their star player to the next two best players to their bench players, every one of them are ascending still. And the yeah. core of this team is incredible. I just, I'm so impressed with everything I see. And I think this Nuggets team is, I think they're going to end up wiping the floor of the Heat. I don't, I can see it going in four. I can see it to five. This thing ain't getting a six or seven. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I have the hindsight of game one, though. I will say that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, no. It's, there's a lot of feeling around town that it'll go five, just very much like, everyone assumed that the Lakers series would go that the heat will grab one at home. Um, I had a lot of great conversations with random people in Belize with me wearing nuggets gear down there about the NBA, which just cracked me up. And I loved um, that core, the core group of starters are great. Murray and Jokic coming in together when they did I saw an interview with Murray yesterday on ESPN. He was talking about how they both came off the bench. So they kind of 
they learned each other's tendencies very early on in their careers. And we basically had two seasons without Murray and MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. And so to your point that everyone is still ascending, I still agree with that for the most part. I've also found it very interesting as partially being a KU Homer and grad, how much media time that Christian Brown is getting his rookie season. And he's gone through some things with Mike Malone's doghouse. And a lot of people have questioned Mike Malone in the past and, uh, you know, wanted him fired several seasons ago because they kept just being so close and not just getting there. And when Tim Connolly left to go to the Timberwolves, everyone was just like, okay, this team, this organization, it isn't going to be what it has been. They're not going to be able to quite get there. They've got talent, but can they actually put it all together? And I think with the additions of Bruce Brown, KCP, this year is going to be the year, but... I'm curious if they can keep a core group of veterans staying or coming in that helps support a relatively young team. I think it's maybe the second youngest team in the NBA or third. Um, I think the Timberwolves or Memphis might be the two youngest teams. So I don't know. What are your thoughts about that, given that, you know, Murray and, and Jokic have played together since 2015. They know yeah. each other, but yeah. they're still young. Yeah, they are young still. And I look at it, so I look at it this way. And this is where I fought this. I'll tell you who I think they are, but they're better. Okay. They're like the Spurs teams. Oh, okay. I'm I think you got that. a better you got a better player at the top. Yes. I think that Joker is a better player than Tim Duncan. And that's high praise. High praise. Yeah. Tim Duck is one of the best dozen best players that ever played this game. Absolutely. Um, but you got the best player. They play a certain the Nuggets play a certain system and allow Jokic to be Jokic. Oh yeah, he has complete freedom on that court. Yes. And and there was a you didn't get to hear this in the broadcast last night, but I'll just sidebar to this. There was a point. I think it was early in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yogi was very quiet for the first half of the game. Yes. Five shots. And then all of a sudden he was like, I'm tired of watching Bam score. I'm just going to put my ass into him. And he did. He bounced him around. But the point was made that in Van- in, in, uh, Stan Van Gundy was kind of pushing back on this, but I don't really think it's true. Yogi is one part great center. You can compare him to any they put they compared him to Moses Malone saying this is how good a rebounder he is. Yeah. He doesn't jump out the fucking roof like a Chamberlain or a Russell or or, yeah. or an Abdul Jabbar. But he's as good. He just doesn't have to give that same effort to that. Right. He knows what he has to do, he doesn't. Um, I I like there was very well, I think it's well comparison to him and Moses Malone. Then they say he passes like Magic Johnson. Yes. And that's where there was some pullback. And I was like, no, he does. He does. And it wasn't, it wasn't two possessions later. He's got the ball at the top of the key 
And he does one of these just baseball-like passes to yes. one of the guys in the block. And it was a hard pass. The guy was like, he couldn't get it. He couldn't catch it. He wasn't expecting the ball, which most of the time the Nuggets expect the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he can shoot like Dirk Nowitzki. Yep. And I'm like, um, guys, this guy's a problem. This guy is, to me, he's already one of those top centers of all time. You know, we rank like the top players of all time. It's always hard with the centers. Sure. And where do you put Chamberlain and Russell and Shaq and Hakeem Olajuwon, Duncan, Jokic's in, Jokic's in that conversation? Yeah. And to me, the fact that he can rebound, he can score at will, and his passing skills, he's the greatest big man passer I've ever seen. Ever. Yeah. Might be the greatest center of all time. That carries a lot of weight. He's not Shaq as far as dominant, put my body on you, go to the bucket. But he never misses a shot. He doesn't have to have the high energy dunks. He does enough to get up a foot and get his big ass, long ass arm above you. So like Kareem used to do a sky hook. Sure. And you can't stop him. Well, and it, it was funny last night, it's seeing him back down, bam, I was just like, I kept screaming, back that ass up, because oh. that's what he needed to do, and that's he what he did. And he did. The second and to your point, the thing about Jokic that we will probably never see replicated again is that he, from a personal standpoint, doesn't give a shit really about any of the accolades, the attention. You know, he said time and again, the MVP thing didn't really bother him with it going to Embiid this year. He doesn't care. He just wants to win. And then he wants to go back to Serbia in the offseason and play with his horses. Yeah. That's, those are the things that he cares about and his family. Yeah. And you see him and he's what in his late 20s at this point he still has so much like he's 28 personal joy for the game you see him happy playing around joking around with his teammates he just wants to play ball and play it well and have people around him who can play up with him and he makes everyone play up with him yeah I mean, look, this guy averaged 24, 11.8, and 9.8 his best season. He almost averaged triple-double at the center position. I mean, he has got he has a triple-double throughout the course of the playoffs and is yeah. only the second person to have a triple-double in their finals premiere. Their debut, yeah. He's, he's an anomaly. And like I said, I was comparing this Nuggets team to those Spurs teams because you had Duncan, who was this quiet, dominant player. Yeah. Joker's better. Joker should be a three-time MVP now. Yes. I mean, look, I Embiid had a great season. He's not the best player in the world. No. Jokic is. I mean, it's just no question. And the reason he wasn't given the third MVP in the end is that the last one was Larry Bird, and no one wants to go back to someone getting three. Even Jordan couldn't win three. And there was a lot of a lot of the um, I don't want to say popularity. It was more of a let's give it to somebody else. Sure. I think that's what it was this year. Voter fatigue, as they yes. say. Very very well put. 
Then I look at this team and I go, okay, then you got Murray. And Murray is incredible. 26 years old. Joker's only 28. Murray's 26. And you go, okay, this guy's, I mean, dominant in many ways. Um, plays a number two, plays that number two role great. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Aaron Gordon. I think that he is one of those big guys that's underutilized, not underused, but under he's not giving enough credit for what's going what's going on. He's underappreciated, I would underappreciated. say. Yes. And again, 27. These guys are all in their late 20s, 26, yep. 26, 28. Then you got the guy that, and I, I know you got a hot take on this one. And you got the guy that I think's the problem. And I, I mean a problem. I mean, like, this guy is going to be a problem for everybody else. And that's Michael Porter Jr. He's he's the good problem to have if yes. you're not He's the guy that's like, this, this is a nightmare. Yeah. That this is the fourth guy. Because on most teams, he's the second guy. Yeah. And when he comes into his own, let's see, he's 24. He's 6'10". He plays every part of the game you can want to play. He's athletic as hell, jumps out of the fucking building, can shoot. This guy could be a top 10 player in the NBA at some point in his career. And I say that because he's been injured. He had the back issues when he was in high school. He got into college. He was the number one player in the country in high school. You know, wasn't really treated well at Missouri. Had the back issues. Oh, he, he, he had those he, back issues. He got injured within the first two minutes of the yeah. only game that he played for Mizzou. Yeah. And you figure that, you know, you had a couple of years where he's had to deal with that. Now he's getting healthy. As this guy gets healthier and healthier, he is going to be a problem for everybody in this league. And you're putting that guy on the court with all this athleticism. Now, what I liked about it, what I said I liked about the Celtics was I love that they don't have a true point guard. And I'm not even sure that the Nuggets have a true point guard. They don't need one. They just put a bunch of athletic guys and say, we're going to play long, and we're going to make you play long with us the entire game. And it's also a team out I like KCP. I mean, mm-hmm. look, we just put five deep, and you go, these guys are all five. These guys are going to be all-stars. Yeah. All five of them will be an all-star sometime in their career. Nobody on his team is old. And then you add in uh, Bruce Brown, who's 26. Um, Reggie Jackson off the bench. He's 33. He's the one guy coming off the bench that, yeah, he can get you a few buckets if you needed to. If you were having some foul issues, you can trust him for a few minutes in the game. Yeah, I think Uncle Jeff would actually come in before Jackson, though. Yeah, Jeff Green, yeah. And so, I mean, again, they're deep as well. And your guy, Christian Brown, and, and... and and Bruce Brown. I mean, God, these guys just this team is stacked. And because they don't have no one else has made that the first, second, or third team all NBA, salary cap wise, they can still put it all together. So yeah. They keep guys together. They can. And I think um frankly, the Cronkies want to have the infinity gauntlet of championship rings. You know, they have the Rams, they have the Avs, they need to pick up the Nuggets. Um, They have the 
current reigning major league lacrosse champions. Who knows if the Rapids will ever get there. Arsenal's doing their thing. Um, Here's my note, though, with regard to MPJ. He's an exceedingly talented dude, and the Nuggets took a flyer on him. He went into the draft not being able to do anything in the combine. He was injured. He was, you know, out after the first game of the year with Mizzou, never played in college. It was all upside potential. He was out for the first year and a half, two years that he was under contract, played one year, got a super max contract, which I still don't understand. He then got injured again and was out for the majority of the 2021 season. He has tremendous upside potential. I don't disagree with that at all. What my fear is, is that he is going to be chronically injured for extended periods of time. And so he may be a problem at points, but I see him more as a flashpoint thing than a constant issue that you have to deal with. That's fair. That's very fair, uh, I think. But I look at it also and I go, if the injuries, if he's healed, if the back is healed. But it was the back, it was the foot, it was the leg. There's not a time where you can get there and you grow out of the growing pains. If he gets through that, he's a problem. No, I and I don't disagree. I just think that, and frankly, he needs to get better defensively because he's shit on defense. Yeah. And he can't just be waving his hands and saying, oh, I'm defending whomever I'm, I've am i got. Yeah. Uh, that from time to time can be my biggest frustration watching the Nuggets because you see someone like Aaron Gordon who's locked down on whomever he's on. Yeah. Well, and I look at it also that I just look at it and go, man, that this is such a young team. And it's a young team stacked with talent. Yes. And I look at it also the way they play is not going to be – old legs are not going to hurt this team. What I mean by that is they're more like the Spurs in playing solid basketball. And Mike Malone has done a really good job of coaching this team. I mean, there's a lot of talk about – you know, he wasn't the guy, and then they went into the bubble, and they went to the conference finals, and then a couple of years they weren't as good. And now this year it's like, okay, yeah, this guy's good. I mean, we're talking about, talking about uh, Joker, he probably gets him to the finals now. But where Mike Malone won me over was early in the playoffs, even before, even late in the year. You mentioned you've talked a lot about that third quarter thing. Yeah. Early in the third, they got a big lead and they tend to let teams back in, which happens a lot in the NBA, but it kind of chronically happens to the Nuggets. But I've seen him call a timeout, pull his team in here and yell at and just say, you ain't the same team you were. And I saw it in the the first round of the playoffs one day. He was, you're not the same team you were in the first half. What the fuck? They go right back out and go on an 8-0 run and you go, yeah, okay. It seems that Mike Malone is one of those guys that makes a difference in how the team performs in the interim of one game. 
Yeah, and I, I think he is, I don't I don't know about him strategically as far as like I think Spolstra is the guy that strategically will get you a game. Yeah, like, they the in-game adjustments like, that. Like right now, it, the Heat are going to get a game in this series because Spolstra is going to win them a game. He's going to have figured something out for a game. And then they're going to go the Nuggets are going to go, "Oh, yeah, here's what he did. Now we got to counterpunch." Right. And they're going to counterpunch it and knock them out. And that's I why I look, and there's very few coaches that can do that. Not, e- not even Pop does that now. Now, granted, he is a horrible team there. Well, but, he's about to have the best team, perhaps. Um, yeah, about, well, the best player. Players coming, yeah. But uh, you look at it also, and you go, but even those teams that he had a decade ago, they weren't like that. They just played who they were the entire game. And I think this is a little different. You're a different time, and these players are different, but they're just super athletic. And they're super athletic in a way that with the big guy who plays the way he plays, it's not going to get old. And they keep this together. Like, I'll compare them to the Warriors. We know I hate the Warriors. But the core of the Warriors got old quick. Yeah, their bodies broke down. Their bodies broke down, and it was because of the way they played. They want to play up and down, up and down, and shoot a whole bunch. Well, eventually you can't shoot the ball anymore. Your legs just aren't going to be under you. The Nuggets don't do that. Now, the Nuggets had a great shooting game last night. But and they're ready to transition. But they play a lot of great transition, and the fact that they can play in a half-court setting as well yes. means a lot. And that's where I think that how they play is as important as who's on the team. And they got to give that credit to Mike Malone to say, here's the pieces I got, and here's what we're going to do moving forward. And I think what's interesting, and I saw this stat on some of the ESPN pregame stuff, is that Spolstra and Malone are two of the oldest tenured coaches in the NBA. Yeah. So – they know their organization. They know their team. They know their players in a way that, I mean, there's been some massive turnover in the coaching ranks in yeah. the NBA over the last three years for various reasons. Yeah. And it brings in fresh ideas and new energy and that kind of thing. But sometimes just knowing what's going on with who is in your locker room is a whole lot more important than whatever thing you can pull out of your ass as just because people haven't seen it before, you know? Yes. I'm with you. Yeah. It's amazing. I think they're amazing. And I think that core, and I'm talking about Yoki, um, Murray, uh, Murray, and, um, Michael, Michael Jr., Michael Porter Jr., and the one I don't want to leave out, uh, I said Murray already, Gordon. Uh, Aaron Gordon is the one I don't want to leave out. I think that they have the, the option. They're, they're going to have the – it can happen for them that that four can be up there with some of the greatest big three, big fours we've ever seen. I think they're going to be – they're going to look better in the end than the Curry – Draymond, Clay Thompson. I think they're right. I think they're going to be right up there with Bird, Parrish, McHale. 
I think they'll be up there with Kareem, Magic, and Worthy, which I think is the greatest three I've ever seen. Okay. I think this team can be that good. This team reminds me a lot of Showtime Lakers. They don't have they don't have the they don't have the pistol. They don't have a guy like Magic pulling all the strings, but they don't have to because they got a big guy who can do a lot of that for them. Well, and the thing that I've noticed more, especially in the playoffs, mm-hmm. is there isn't that dependency on the three ball. Everyone yeah. is willing to cut to the basket, take a dunk, go follow their shot, get rebounds for the most part. I mean, that was the huge thing with Gordon last night. I mean, he was just getting alley-ooped, and it was fine. Yeah, and the thing about that is that the teams who aren't as dependent on the three-pointer, the teams that aren't following the Warriors' path, are the better teams. The Heat just beat the Celtics. The Celtics tried to play the Warriors' path. The Heat just beat them because they do two things. They rebound. They Every possession has a meaning. They, they, they concentrate on every possession is not a giveaway. There's no giveaway possessions. Warriors basketball is chuck it, chuck it, chuck it. We're going to make more than we're going to miss, which they don't do. Right. They make so many of them that you have to get extra possessions. Look, if you don't have that guy, you don't have – and no, no one's Steph Curry. No. You know, there's only been one of those. I mean, you know, there's there's – in the three-point era, we haven't seen that from anybody else, not even Larry Bird. Right. But if you look at it and you go, okay, unless you got that guy, value every possession, especially late in the game. The Nuggets, to me, are the absolute best in, in the entire NBA at that. Yeah. You cannot come back on the Nuggets late in the game because they value every possession. They run them all down to under four on a shot clock. Yeah. They're going to make – Every every minute, last minute of a game, last five minutes of a game, let's call it, you're only going to have two and a half possessions. Well, and because that's, they're going to run the clock down, and they, they're going to get a good shot. And I, I think at the core of it is just an adherence to foundational basketball. Uh-huh. There are five positions on the court. You have yeah. to play all five positions and you have to defend all five positions. And this team does that. Yeah, so better than, better than anybody. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited to go to the game on Sunday. I'm excited. I could well, I'm sad I could potentially miss game five. If they sweep this series, wow. I think they're going to. I think they're going to. I, if if not, then it means Spolster comes up with something that gets them a game three win. Which I just it have happen. to assume happens. It, it can absolutely happen. Look, I, I think Eric Spolster is a Hall of Fame coach. But I will say I was completely shocked because I was down in Belize for games three and four and we couldn't get feeds for the games because you're just out of the country and we were in very random places. The fact that they slept the swept the Lakers was astounding to me. And it makes me a little bit scared for what the Lakers may be next year, because we all know LeBron is pushing to play with his son. 
and he's going to be pissed that they were swept. Well, but if this team, if this Nuggets team sweeps two series in a row, the NBA and especially the NBA media needs to start understanding who the Nuggets are and cover them like they should be covered. Yeah. It's too bad. I did not watch post game. I actually tweeted this. I went to post game. I watched the post game for 30 seconds because as soon as I saw Mike Greenberg, I heard his voice. I changed the channel. I would rather listen to, I would listen to a, a room full of pigs get killed than ever, ever listen to Mike Greenberg. <laughs> I hate him. Like I, he is my, he is in the Skip Bayless category with me now. Did TNT do a post game? I don't know because Shaq and Kenny and the crew were there doing pregame. No, they're they're done. Okay, no, because they're doing a pregame for uh, NBA TV. Oh, okay. I did. Maybe they did. I don't know. Okay. All right. I don't know. I just I, I didn't watch. We don't. I don't get NBA TV on here. So, yeah. Uh, so as soon as the game went off and I saw that, I was like. I switched to ESPN with ESPN. It was Scott Van Pelt, who I don't think is much better. And so I changed to something else. So I went to a baseball game instead. So, um, but yeah, I just um, I look at it. I just go, well, okay, it is what it is. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is the Jokic thing. And I just think that I'm, I'm sold on this guy. I mean, look, he's a two-time MVP. He should be a three-time MVP. Yes. And it made me start thinking about. I texted you this a couple days ago. I said, "We got to start thinking about where we're putting him." It's time to start thinking about where he goes historically, because they're going to win this championship. He's going to have a ring. He's going to have a ring. He's going to have a ring twenty-eight. He's going to have two MVPs. Should have had a third. It's time to start thinking about this, and when you start thinking about like where players are ranked all time. And I'm not a guy who says this guy is one, this guy is two, this guy is three and exact. Um, if you ask me, well, Jordan's the greatest of all time. LeBron's two. To me, magic is three. The hard part becomes where do you start slotting centers? Yeah. But I do think he needs to be near the top of the centers. Though. I think he needs to be up there with Kareem, up there with Russell, up there with Chamberlain, Shaq. I'm, in a moment, Shaq's the most dominant center I've ever seen. Just give but him can, a ball, go to the go to the basketball. Sure, couldn't shoot but, a free throw to save his life. Jokic will knock everything yeah. down from the line. Yeah. Um, then you look at you know it's hard for people who are our age to go back and we can't really assess Russell and Chamberlain. We know how great an athlete Will Chamberlain was. I mean, yes. he's one of the greatest athletes ever walked planet Earth. As yep. far as I'm concerned. And they changed the rules of basketball because of him. And did he he didn't play during the three-point era at all? No, neither did Bill Russell. And and really the three-point era, I really kind of looked at it as the 2000s on, because go back to the 80s, even the greatest players, the the magic bird, Jordan and, for half his career, they didn't have a three-point line. Or they did, but it wasn't played the same way it is now. Correct. I mean, look, if Larry Bird played today, that'd be a problem. Like, he would be phenomenal. He, To me, he's like the most underrated player of all time. 
he would have a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and just tossing shit up. I mean, Larry Bird would be a problem today, like nobody's business. Yeah. So maybe we start thinking about this. I mean, God, there's so many great players. Where do these guys all rank? And we talk about who these all-time greats are. We got to start thinking about some of these players who are playing now. But then we got to start looking at a joke. And where does he slot? So what I really wanted to ask is I, I asked you, did you get a, did you get a list together for me? I, I said I wanted to hear your kind of – I don't mean most, but like your, your players you think are historically overrated and historically underrated. So I looked more at the underrated. Okay. To me, that was a little bit more difficult to put my finger okay. on. Okay. Because I got four on the underrated that I think are just like horribly underrated. Okay. And then I got a couple of the overrated. But let's hear okay. your list first on the underrated people. Those underrated players – and, and I'm set aside for me, I'm, I'm set aside the centers because it's a whole different animal. But go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I'm still going to point out Jokic because yeah. he is what he is. And especially given the MVP vote this year, there was a lot of stuff around all of that. Um, I grew up a Bulls fan. So everyone focuses on Jordan, but Pippen mm-hmm. and Rodman are two players that probably – I mean, Rodman got more notoriety for his off-the-court stuff than the lockdown defender that he was. One of the greatest defensive players of all time. One of the greatest rebounders of all time as well. Amazing. Amazing. And Pippen, you know, now the argument is, could Jordan have done six if he didn't have Pippen? He wouldn't, no. You know, every Batman needs a Robin. Beyond that, I think it gets a little bit sketchy because so much of it becomes personal. And I disconnected from the NBA for so long that I'm kind of like, and I look at somebody like Ginobili with the Spurs, who we talked about earlier, who was also, along with Duncan, very low key, very kind of quiet. Jim Duncan's on my list went to his business and did it and was just there. And Duncan, I mean, he had what? One MVP, one series MVP. I can look it up. Maybe, might be two. I can't remember. But it's, it's the guys, regardless, for the underrated, who in general are the most quiet and just go about their business, do their things, don't care about the accolades, that you come back later and go, hmm, this is interesting. Should I look at Chauncey Billups? Should yeah. Carmelo maybe be, get a little bit more than what he got when he was in the league? You know, who's that random person off of Portland that maybe we forgot? You like Clyde Drexler? I do like Clyde. Clyde the Glide. So that's kind of what I was thinking about. And frankly, for the overrated, anyone from 2005 on, with the exception of LeBron, I mean, how many of these guys have actually played out the way that they were anticipated? Okay, so I'm going to, I love a lot of what you said there. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) I think the Joker is one of the most underrated players of all time. I think Tim Duncan is one of the most underrated. You asked, here's, here's, do you know Tim Duncan? Two-time MVP, 
Three-time mm-hmm. finals MVP. Five-time NBA champ. He was the best player on all five of those teams. Yeah. 15-time All-Star, 15-time All-NBA. And we don't talk about Tim Duncan enough. No. And I just said a little bit ago that I liken Joker to this guy, and I actually think Joker's better. Yeah. That's going to be a hard resume to catch up to. I think Tim Duncan is maybe the most underrated player of all time. Now, the second, he and the other one I think is Larry Bird. I think when you look at Larry Bird, he's go, wait a minute. Why is he not thought of as a top five player of all time? The centers thing is always hard. I sure. I, I, I kind of have – that's where it's hard on the Duncan thing. And Duncan really played more power forward than he did center most of his career. Um, but then also you put in Jokic. You put in the all the great centers, Hakeem Olajuwon in, in – Shaq and you just go, God, these guys, it's so hard to compare those those players because they only had to do one thing. Well, right. they scored, they dummy down low, scoring and rebound. It was all around the block. Yeah. You talked about Dennis Rodman. I think it's a great example. Again, guys grossly underrated for his they was he was the best defensive player of his generation. He was the best rebounder of his generation. The guy that I like into that is Kevin McHale. Mm. Talk about a guy to be a problem nowadays. No one can play on the blocks of Kevin McHale today. Yeah. Prime 1988, 87, 86, 87, 88 to Kevin McHale. There is nobody in the NBA who could handle that guy down well. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, the last one, I'm gonna give you a blind resume. I'm gonna okay. t- I want you to tell me who this player is. Okay. All right, first I'm going to compare this. This is the one where everybody talks about Jordan being better than LeBron. They talk about some things. Again, Jordan's one, LeBron is two to me. Jordan had 11 all-NBA, all-time NBA, 11-time all-NBA. This player also 11 all-time all-NBA player. Jordan, 14-time all-star. This player's a 13-time all-star. Jordan scored 32,000 points in his career. This player scored 26,000 points in his career. Jordan had 6,000 rebounds. This player had 8,000 rebounds. Jordan had 5,000 assists. This player had 6,000 assists. Jordan had 28 career triple doubles. This player had 31 career triple doubles. Jordan won the finals six times and was 6-0 and in the finals. This player was 8-0 and in the finals and won eight titles. Who is the player that I'm comparing Michael Jordan to? It's got to be a Celtics player, right? Yes. It can't be Bird, so who is it? It's John Havlicek. Okay. And if you can remember, you think about iconic moments in basketball, Havlicek steals the ball. That's one of the most iconic moments in the game. Yeah. You go back to the 70s. And 70s players get no love nowadays. John Halchick gets no love. Dr. J gets no love. Moses Malone gets no love. These are guys who could have played. Now, I'm not trying to say for argument's sake that John Halchick is Michael Jordan. I'm just saying that when people put up Jordan's resume to LeBron's, they need to think about that because here's one that is just as good as, as Jordan's. Well, and that's the big thing right now with the Nuggets is that they're looking at the ABA comparison because they were in the ABA championship before they merged into the NBA. And 
look at all those players that were there playing the ABA, which, yeah. you know, Fat Lever, you've got Alex yeah. English, you've got so many other people that yeah. were there. And where did they fall in the pantheon? Yeah. Now we're talking about overrated. I got four here, and they're all current. They're all they're all current. Well, three are currently playing. One hasn't played in a number of years. And it's okay. up to I I want to hear this, and I yeah. I'm curious if I will have any add-ons. Okay, this one is a little. This one because I don't think he's as is high. He's great, stupendously great, but not a top five or top ten player that like people think he is. That's Steph Curry. I get it. Steph Curry can shoot like nobody else, but I will say this. I will say this on the record. If you take him in his prime, if the three-point line were around, Pistol Pete would have been just as good as Steph Curry. Okay. I I, I don't necessarily... I get that we say he's the best shooter and everyone else is battling for second. The game is different now than it was then. It is. And people, I think, are more enamored with Steph's glow up than the totality of the player. Yes. And I think that's why he's overrated. Okay. His teammate, Clay Thompson, is the most overrated player I have ever seen in basketball. He's a solid position player. I'm not sure why. He is the (laughs) most overrated player I've ever seen. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love what he was – someone was talking trash to him maybe about, right before they lost, and he, he was on, we got four rings. Yeah, Steph won you those four rings. Yeah. You're a guy on that team. Yep. The next two are going to get controversy. Okay. Kevin Durant. Okay, I know you hate KD for his I, locker room issues. Um, I don't I'll, know. I'm not sure that he's overrated. Okay, so you mentioned Carmelo Anthony and Clyde Drexler earlier. Which are, yep. Carmelo Anthony is one of the greatest scorers of all time. Yes. I will say the same thing for Kevin Durant. You know who I like in Kevin Durant, too? Maybe Kevin is a little better shooter than this guy? Dominique exactly. Wilkins. Okay. Domin- not, not, not near the shooter Kevin Durant is. But Kevin Durant hasn't won without having another one of these greats with Steph. Yes. And as many accolades as Kevin Durant can get in the in the, in the in the season, he's dog shit in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with the Suns, right? Like, I mean, he was, and I get it, they, you know, Chris Paul got hurt and they had the injuries they had this year. But if he's as great as he thinks he is, he, he thinks he's LeBron. And he's not. He's nowhere in the near that conversation. Steph is not a LeBron. No. So those two to me, the last one, this is the most controversial one. I think Kobe Bryant's over there. I think Kobe's great. I think he's one of the greatest all-around players of all time. But I think that the fact that he was a great scorer Maybe the greatest pure scorer of all time mm-hmm. took away from other parts of the game. And let's be honest, the best teams he were on, he was on, those were Shaq's teams. They weren't his teams. It was Shaq's teams. 
That's when Kobe was at his absolute best. And I think the end of his career, the post, and he also had the greatest coach of all time, in Phil Jackson. Yes. Look, that helps. I mean, Phil Jackson just was he the triangle offense, everything that Phil Jackson did. There's a reason that all worked. Yeah. I heard Charles Barkley, and I'm a big Barkley fan, but I heard him talk about he puts Kobe up there, and Shaq says inside the NBA too. He puts Shaq up there, or puts Kobe up there with LeBron and and Jordan. And I think there's a huge gap between those two and pretty much everybody else. The only player I'm willing to put up with them is Magic Johnson. I I don't disagree with you. I think, uh, better or worse, Kobe has become romanticized a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm not trying to degrade the man. Look, no, what he, he means in a society now is even is bigger. And going to yes. make him romanticized in a way that we'll never see again. Right. And we're remembering him better than he actually was. I'm not going to disagree with that. I've never been one to be like Kobe's greatest of all time. He's not, he's not in the goat conversation, even though he was placed in that kind of stable of horses coming out of high school. So I'm not bothered by that. I'm just not sure if, if I would deem him to be overrated just because I never, at least now, I certainly don't see him consistently in those top five metrics. Yeah. I, when I say he's overrated, I just don't think he's in the top tippy top echelon of the best five players. That's fair. I don't, I mean, he's maybe a top 10 player of all time. Yeah. I, you know who I think he's similar in skills to? Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Yeah. I mean, look, if you think Kobe's one of the top three best players of all time, you got pretty much think Larry Bird's one of the best three players of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because people were talking about Trey Young as he was coming out and yeah. he's disappointed with the Hawks. Yes, um, very much so. You see he's someone. He's the most overrated playing now. Correct. And you look at someone like Dwayne Wade and you kind of wonder if he's a little bit underrated because he was overshadowed. Well, in Dwayne Wade, the argument is he had Shaq at the end of Shaq's prime in those first couple of seasons that Shaq was in the with the Heat, and that's when they won. But he also had LeBron, you know. And and, yeah, yeah, and that's, he also had Mario Chalmers. So um, let's not get too crazy. He had LeBron and Bosch. Hey, I'm just saying. I think LeBron has only run one one title. Without a Jayhawk on his team. Just saying. Well, it still covers a lot of area. And you have a bench player. I mean, it's a bench player. What are you going to do? It's Kansas. They're going to put bench players on a lot of teams. So, Just saying. Yeah. But yeah. It's like you talk about LSU players in the NFL. Oh, my God. When you have 50 people on a team, though, it makes a little bit yeah, weirder but, uh, conversation. So oh, yeah. okay. I'm going to have to wrap this up because my son is calling. So, but okay. well, Imani, you're out of here. Yes. I appreciate you. I will talk to you. I'll have you on next week again. Um, I'm just going to end it from here. We'll just go into it. So, 
Um, so yeah, we'll just end it on that for everything for the week. Ellen's, Ellen's got to go. She's got to take care of a kid. I certainly understand that. So, Hey, uh, last thing I want to check out, I want everybody to check out, uh, I'm on the Jones report again this week. We had a riveting conversation about the big 12. Uh, we talked a lot about that John Gruden thing. So if you were interested in any of that stuff we touched on earlier, we had a great conversation with that on the, uh, Jones report. So check that out this week. Um, so I want to say thank you again to Ellen for jumping in today. Uh, get in here kind of squeezing us in we try to squeeze us into a certain time <laughs> today, and it really works so uh but also we'll say thank you to tyler jones everybody from the soapbox what you do behind the scenes uh most importantly thank you to you the listener don't forget to rate us and review us apple podcast google podcast spotify anywhere you get your podcast we appreciate every five-star review so until next week i'm coach Bo brian o'connor that's ellen wingenter have a great weekend remember your time tokens are non-refundable we'll see you next week a little more on the uh, nba finals day Take care, everybody.